Welcome to What's Working in Marketing, a podcast for marketers that uncovers what's working across the digital landscape by tapping into the world's best data-backed research and through candid conversations with industry experts. I'm your host, Charlie Grinnell. On this episode, I'm joined by Corey Haynes, founder of Swipe Files. Thanks for joining me today, Corey. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. You and I were just chatting before we started recording. I've always been a fan of your work when you were at Bear Metrics, and I've kind of watched from afar how your career has kind of progressed. And usually with this show, what we try and do is, is start by kind of taking it back to the beginning and, and providing some of that background context. So could you just kind of give me you know, a quick high-level overview of like where you got started and how it's kind of led you to, to what you're working on today? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best to give you like the, the quick two minute overview of my background. So it's not terribly interesting, but definitely <laughs> important to sort of uh, the context and how I think today. Basically, coming out of high school, I thought I wanted to do financial planning or accounting or something like that. Actually, with kind of like the end goal of maybe I wanted to be a CEO one day or an entrepreneur and sort of read like, oh, finance is the language of business. And like every great CEO has like a finance background. So that's kind of just what I defaulted into. And then Ironically, it's kind of a silly story. It feels embarrassing to even talk about, but uh, I had my, my eyes set on one college to transfer to. I went to community college for two years. In the meantime, making websites for friends, listening to podcasts, reading books, just like really digging in and immersing myself into the whole world of business and startups and a lot of stuff that I would get into and break, finally break into later. And then I had my eyes set on this one college to transfer to, decided to go to another. And then when I got there, they're like, what do you want to major in? And I, I was an accounting degree before that. Uh, and that's what I wanted, thought I wanted to do. They're like, what do you want to major in? Marketing or global business? I was like, you, you don't have an accounting Perfect. degree? <laughs> they're like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that changes things. And then, so I chose marketing rather than yeah. global business. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns out that was basically everything I was already interested in anyways. And I was like, why am I going for this like finance thing? I really like being in business, growing businesses. Uh, I, I really like the sort of you know web design part of it as well. And then it came time to propose to my girlfriend. Uh, her parents told me while I was asking for permission that I needed to have a job lined up for when I graduated. So I hit Google. <laughs> I looked up the best places to work in San Diego. I managed to land an interview at a startup here in San Diego called Cordial. I was hiring for a junior marketing intern. On a Thursday, I went in for an interview, got hired on the spot. Saturday proposed, and then later got hired on as the full-time first marketer. And they had just raised a series A. So I was with them and I kind of call it like my crash course in marketing because I did everything and anything that the business needed, uh, marketing and sales related. And um, so I learned like, you know, how it works and like what marketing looks like. I got to spend thousands in LinkedIn ads that went nowhere. I got to sponsor (laughs) events and conferences and plan cocktail parties and like everything in between. Uh, until I made it to Bear Metrics, where at that point I felt like I really understood what I liked doing, what I was good at. I had sort of built some chops. Um, and so there I was the head of growth for almost two years, grow Bear Metrics, and also worked with a lot of our customers in sort of like a consultative capacity, you know, helping them understand marketing and growth. And then I finally left. Then I had swipe files and we can get on all that stuff. But that's sort of like the, the background and how, where I got to who I am today. Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, first of all, the, the accounting thing is, is interesting to me. I remember when I actually was taking like business classes in high school, we had accounting and marketing, and those were classes that I got good grades in, even though I'm awful at math. Um, and uh, it's interesting to hear like how accounting kind of morphed into to marketing. And then the other thing that stuck out to me was 
man, no pressure situation. Like, Hey, can I marry your daughter? Yeah. Go get a job before this happens. And you're just like, yep, no problem. Here we go. That's hilarious. Just make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you gotta want it. Right. And so, yeah. um, yeah, those very, I mean, I'm really glad. And it's actually funny because, um, at that point, I think I knew that I wanted to do, uh, marketing and I, that was sort of like the, the angle I could best do. I was sort of interested in sales too, but I think marketing was what I had landed on. I'd, at that point, read a few Seth Godin books and was listening to marketing podcasts. And so that's sort of where I landed on a little bit. And it's funny because while I was in that search, I, um, I interviewed for this place, uh, that was like an Amazon marketing agency to help brands, you know, sell on Amazon and get up and running with, uh, like Amazon SEO essentially, and also Amazon ad spend. And, um, it was for like an account manager position. And I got all the way to a second interview in which case uh, he asked, you know, Hey, so like, when would you be able to start? And I said, well, I'm still in college. And he said, Oh, <laughs> never mind, basically. And, oh. um, and then I went to this other, you know, so like I could have gone a completely different path in marketing yeah. as well, but I eventually, you know, made it to the tech startup and, uh, B2B SaaS. And that's now where I am today and what I specialize in. Yeah. Interesting. It's funny how, how, like, so close from like going a completely different direction. And it's like these small kind of things near misses yeah. or, or, or something. I don't know what the word is that you would call that, but uh, yeah, fascinating. I want to, I want to chat a bit about swipe files. So there is like the term swipe file, I think in, mm -hmm. in business, but like, I want to hear more about, you know, what is swipe files? Like, what is your kind of vision for it? And then I kind of want to talk about the value of like what a swipe file is and kind of how marketers use them. Totally. Yeah. So swipe file is this jargony word that marketers made up uh, to actually describe something that's pretty applicable across a lot of other disciplines and practices and industries. Uh, you know, designers have a mood board. A lot of like writers and previous authors have a, a Zettelkasten, which is like this really complex note-taking system where you're kind mm -hmm. of like stealing ideas from other books and other authors and other things that you read and come across. Um, there's all sorts of other you know, interesting kind of like parallels. So basically a swipe file for a marketer is a central kind of repository or place where you store inspiration for marketing. Um, so headlines, ads, landing pages, you know, e emails, anything you can think of that would help you in your job, you swipe it into your file that way you can reference it later. And I think at the core, what the value is, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of um, there's guys like Tiago Forte who talk about building a second brain. And it's all about sort of like this digital Zettelkasten kind of thing. Designers are really big on like, how do you build a portfolio and how do you build like a body of work? But no one really talks about sort of what that same process is for a marketer. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think that how we learn as human beings is first through imitation it's monkey see, monkey do. It's let me see you do this first. Yep. And then I can try to like imitate the way that you do that thing. And so you learn sort of through osmosis, you learn through watching other people and like seeing examples of this is good and that's bad. Do this, don't do that. And so that's really like what I think the central purpose is of a swipe file is to mm -hmm. train your brain to recognize good marketing. And then to also, because you know, we're not perfect creatures. We're not robots. We don't have like amazing, perfect recall where we can just like perfectly find all the patterns of everything and understand the best practices where then we can go and reference the swipe file and say, Hey, okay. You know how I actually started swipe files kind of transition into a little bit mm -hmm. is, um, I was building out the affiliate program to launch for bare metrics. And, um, it came time to like build out a landing page to recruit affiliate partners and I was like, what the heck goes on a landing page to recruit affiliate partners? Like, I don't know what a landing page should look like, but what, 
you know, what's the design? What's the headline? What are the best practices? Like, how do you get people to, to understand this? Like what should be communicated? And so instead of just guessing or starting from scratch, I went out and started to build a swipe file around affiliate landing pages. Um, so I went to ConvertKit and I went to PartnerStack and I went to other software that I was already an affiliate for and just went and found their original landing page that I signed up from. And then I talked to some marketers about how they launched affiliate programs. Uh, and then, you know, how they designed the page and what they thought worked. And, and then after about two weeks, I figured, okay, I, I know now what to go put on this landing page. I know the best practices. I've talked about what works, what doesn't work. I'm not, you know, imitating blindly. I know yeah. what not to do and what to do. Yeah. I wish that this existed for like everything else that I did in marketing, because that way I can just like have this really quick shortcut to the best practices, do this, don't do that. And here are great examples of how you can create your own. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that was the original kind of impetus for swipe files. And that's like the value of you know, what a swipe file is and how you use it day to day. Interesting. It, it, so I, I want to kind of dig into that a little further because there's a lot of similarities with what we do at Right Metric with like data back swipe files, essentially. And right. one of the things that I've kind of noticed when, when talking to marketers and, you know, when I was a marketer, when I sat on the brand side of things, I was like you, I was always looking for that inspiration because like, it's really, really hard to stare at a blank page and go, mm -hmm. what are we doing with this? And so I think yeah. like, I was always looking, we kind of have these, these two categories that we look at, like how can we look outside of our four walls for information, whether that be like benchmarking type of information or the other side of it is inspiration, right? Like who is someone that we just look at, a brand that we just look at where they're like, oh, they just do such a good job. And so one of the things that I've kind of noticed is what would you say to marketers who maybe are kind of like scared of stealing or imitating or like that kind mm -hmm. of like want to be original? Because I've spent a lot of time kind of researching that core concept in business. And, you know, there's actually been a, a book that I read that's called Will and Vision. Uh, it's an old book. I bought a used copy on Amazon that has someone's notes on the inside of it. But basically what they're, the whole kind of thesis of the book is that, you know, this, this whole thread of good artist copy, great artist steal. And it talks about, they looked at, you know, 60 different companies over a bunch of different industries, like pre-tech, like nineties to early two thousands. And yeah, it was kind of talking about like the gangster business strategy is like, corporate espionage essentially, or like looking mm, outside right. for inf information, information and inspiration and kind of using that to be like a second mover, maybe what's your kind of take on all that? Like, have you ever kind of run into that or, or yeah. How do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, on a, on a very like historical level in the, in the Bible, which is not usually referenced on a marketing podcast, but uh, in Ecclesiastes, there's a verse and it's, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Like there's nothing original basically. It's like everything yeah. has been said or done before, or someone else has done it or done something like it. Mm -hmm. uh, so one, it's just like, there is no originality. There is no uh, real, true, pure authenticity. You just have to accept that and be like, okay, I'm not like, going to reinvent the wheel or I'm not going to like be the first one. Yeah. Um, so what you might as well do is remix things really well. Obviously you don't want to copy and paste. You don't want to yeah. steal. You don't want to just rip something off um, because actually that wouldn't even work. If you just straight copy yeah. and paste something, it's not going to work because it's either going to be for a different audience or a different purpose at a different price point, a different industry, different best practices. They yeah. might not even like what you're ripping off might not even be like the best optimal kind of version, yeah. whatever that thing should be. Totally. Um, so you don't want to blindly do it. It's actually a really cool. I think it's a YouTube video or uh, it's called everything as a remix. And yeah. it's all about I was like, just thinking about the, the history of yeah, movies and storytelling and sort of how everything has a similar arc and yeah. um, how there's a lot of things that have been sort of remixed in history that you can see. Mm -hmm. So that's the way that I see it. Yeah. Uh, I actually read in college 
um, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Cleon. And that was a, a really big eye opener. I'm like, yeah, this is okay. This is good. It's not only okay, but like, this is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not any cooler, better, better at your job just because you can like come up with quote unquote original things. Like this is what the people at the top of their game do. They study other people. They, they remix things. They take concepts and apply them to their own industry, business, brand, personality, whatever it is. And so, you know, it's definitely like a, a switch that you have to make mentally, mm-hmm. but ultimately, as long as you're not literally copy pasting, you know, stealing, plagiarizing, ripping something off, you should be remixing, imitating, learning, modeling off of yeah. other people. And that is the best practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, speaking of best practices, like, do you have a framework or a list of characteristics of like, what is a good swipeable thing? Like when you're like, oh, I'm going to swipe mm. this. Like, is there kind of a framework that you use in your mind to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to take that. Or is there something that, you know, someone listening to this could, could kind of use as like a filter, so to speak? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll kind of attack that at a couple different levels. I think very uh, like intuitively you can, you can swipe things that grab your attention because not everything grabs your attention. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you stop at an ad, recognize that you stopped at the ad and think, why did I stop at this ad? Let me take a screenshot. Let me look at this later. Or just know that, Hey, like, even if this got my attention to stop scrolling, this is probably like a above average, above par ad, right? So there's Mm -hmm. something to be kind of taken away from here. And so just looking at recognizing like, what do I think is good marketing? What just intuitively personally uh, is attractive to me? Like your brain will kind of there's all sorts of stuff, neurons that are firing in there about, you know, this is, uh, this is new, this is novel, this is interesting, it's colors, it's fonts, it's, you know, what's being communicated, it's the words on there. Um, and so even if you don't know consciously why that thing is interesting, if you know that it's interesting, you can go and like tease out the interesting parts a little bit later, but just getting the practice of recognizing when something does catch your attention is a good uh, kind of like rule of thumb or heuristic for swipeable content for marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one is just if you, if you already have, uh, it's like something that you're looking for. So for example, I was talking about the affiliate landing page. If I'm going through and, uh, I'm looking for affiliate landing pages and I'm starting to you know, one after another, it's kind of like swipe it, swipe it, swipe it. I might start to see patterns and connections. And so either your pattern matching where you're saying, okay, this thing, I think is good. And I'm finding more like this or different iterations or versions of this. So I'm going to capture all the different kind of flavors that are in front of me, or you're sort of pattern opposing where you're looking at all these different landing pages in front of you. And then one, there's something really unique and different. And they're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm going to swipe this part of this page. or I'm going to swipe it because of this reason, just because it's you know, going against the flow. It's the purple cow. It's the mm-hmm. the fish swimming upstream, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think that from a more like, uh, you know, so you, you first look at, okay, what's intuitively interesting for me? Two, what's kind of like matching my pattern from looking for or what's really going against it? And then three, once you have a good understanding of like what a good landing page ad email is like that checks the boxes for you just because you have taste, you have the site for it. At that point, then you're really doing a lot more curation at that point um, where you're looking for, uh, okay, I need to fill the box on social proof, on quotes, on images. And now what I look at things, I I swipe things less and less because I already have like a good foundation to build on top of. And so the other day I did a landing page teardown for someone. And um, I noticed that they had this really high fidelity GIF that was like a product walkthrough, but it wasn't a video. And it was really succinctly done with like a lot of animations. 
And I was just like, whoa, that is amazing. Like, I love this on so many levels because I've never seen anything like that. So now I need to add this because this is like a completely new kind of shiny object that I've never yeah. seen before. So I guess to summarize, like at first, you're just kind of swiping anything and everything that catches your attention intuitively. Second, you're kind of like looking for patterns and you're building patterns. Mm -hmm. And then three, you're looking for things that are like completely new and novel and unique. Yeah. Interesting. And so would you say that, you know, it sounds like you kind of started on that like affiliate landing page thing. And then as you kind of started to pull the thread, like this can be applied to any area of marketing. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, for a while there, I was, I was writing teardowns uh, for swipe files where I was basically like screen by screen, line by line, uh, you know, text by text, word by word, breaking down landing pages, emails, and ads. And, um, that was an amazing exercise one for me to learn as a marketer. Uh, but two, I was starting to fill it out. Okay. Okay. Here's, you know, SAS competitor comparison pages, SAS affiliate marketing landing pages, SAS feature overview pages. Yeah. Uh, and then I was going to e-commerce and okay. E-commerce welcome emails, e-commerce, you know, sale emails, e-commerce reactivation emails, uh, e-commerce black Friday emails. And so like, you can start to really build out this library and, and really build out and flesh out the, the swipe file. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, you probably had that aha moment kind of similar to, to me when when I was able to kind of like start to look at things through that lens and and be like, it's okay to do this or, hey, this is a great example. Like we can just take these elements and recreate this in our own way, remix it. And, and then I think once you start applying that to different areas of marketing, whether it's social, search, paid, content, blog, email, whatever, it's just endless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... I think in general too, what a lot of this has taught me is that um, learning follows a very similar path in general, no matter what you're trying to study or, or get better at. And the first step is always immersion. You just have to put yourself in the deep end, just jump in, start swimming around. Uh, even like if there's a good analogy of like, um, uh, you know, to go in a dark room to figure out everything out. Like if it's dark, you can't see, you just have to like start feeling your way out. So like yeah. you're feeling your way out in the internet and marketing, you're just like, you know, looking at different ads, looking at different emails, but you need that like raw exposure where you just drink from the fire hose yeah. in order to start having taste in order yeah. to really accelerate your learning, uh, your learning cycle. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, you know, you, you just mentioned that, that high fidelity gift that you kind of stumbled upon and you were like, Whoa, I haven't seen this. Are there any others not to put you on the spot, but are there any others that you've kind of <laughs> stumbled across where you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is like a, something that's like a tip or trick that like, I'm, I'm like all over. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of best practices. One, I think that one of the things that's missing from a lot of B2B SaaS landing pages in particular is um, like a really quick comparison section on, uh, it can kind of form, follow a different couple of different formats, but like a us versus them. So it could be like you uh, versus like competitors in general. And just like, what are the things that you uniquely do? Because hidden in a lot of the minutia of a landing page for a SaaS company, which can be like very long and very detailed is like, what are like the bullet point summary points? Mm -hmm. uh, just like, what do people need to take away from this? And you can, it's a great excuse to just like throw those in there in a quick table, just like check marks for the things you do great X's for the things that your competitors suck at. Um, you could also, if you don't have like com direct competitors or if it's a little bit more abstract, you can do like a really quick new versus old way, mm -hmm. uh, comparison where it's side by side. Yeah. And it's those kind of like illustrations and like really quick, you know, words that you're communicating that are so powerful that just like really make it click for people. Yeah. Um, Another thing I've noticed across the board for, uh, like, this is what um, a lot of e-commerce does really well is they'll use like user-generated content 
and social proof, but like specifically with a lot of faces and imagery and mm. videos. And that's missing from a lot of like digital products. It's missing from a lot of SaaS companies. Yeah. E-commerce does a really good job of like making things feel human and personal and relatable so that if you're a visitor, you're thinking like, you're trying to imagine yourself using this thing. And then there's just like examples all over the place of other people using that thing. Yeah. Um, and with SaaS, sometimes it can get very utilitarian where it's like, look at this screenshot over here. And like, here's the technical analysis of how this API works. And here's like, I just want to know what it's like to use this. Like, are people happy? Are people sad? Yeah. Who's using it? How are they using it? Same with their digital products. Like, you know, what's in the course? Who's in the community? It's just getting very like literal with it all. Yeah. So those, those are a couple that, that come to mind, but I could probably spend yeah. a few more if you're interested. No, that, that brings something to mind. So this is a bit off topic, but I, I just bought, I, I'm a bit of a sleep nerd. And so like I wear an aura ring and like, I'm, I'm very bullish on like trying to get a good night's sleep. And I actually just bought um, like a mattress topper from this company called eight sleep. And I've slept on it four nights now I'm obsessed and I'm hooked. And I like, it's not cheap. Like it was a couple thousand bucks and you know, it goes around your existing mattress. And there was a ton of testimonials on Twitter, like people yelling about it on Twitter and and then you go to their site and they did a really good job of like bringing testimonials and faces and that sort of thing. And it was to the point where I was like, there is so much overwhelming support for this where I'm like, it must be good. And, but I was also still kind of skeptical, right? Like my bullshit meter was kind of pretty high being like, yeah, but like, is it I'm hooked? It's been four nights. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I cannot believe I didn't sleep without this. And like, I don't have yeah. an affiliate code or anything. I wish I did, but like, I just, that's an example where, you know, those faces and like humanizing that thing where I was like, who are all these people? And, you know, they, they, it just kind of brought that up in my mind because I was, I was on it recently when I was explaining it to a friend, I was like, Hey, the hype is real. And they're like, really, you spent two grand on this thing. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, no, trust me. And like, I see now why all these people are yelling about it. So it's funny that mm-hmm. you, you bring that up. Yeah. I'll give you another really tangible example. Uh, speaking of like, this is like literally how you use this Wi-Fi and why it's important is, um, like I said before, e-commerce does this really well, where they're really, they're really great at user-generated content and around showing faces and videos and product imagery. And like I said before, SaaS does not do that very well. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I noticed, so I, I do consulting for uh, Savvy Cal, which is like a Calendly competitor to yeah. book and schedule meetings, stuff like that. And um, I was putting together uh, the main landing page and some of the other competitor comparison pages. And then I, I was keeping this log of like quotes, testimonials, things people had said on Twitter about Savvy Cal, just to like use that for my own copywriting. But then also I wanted to make sure that I also included a lot of social proof on the page. Yeah. And then I found myself just copy and pasting the text over to the page. But I was like, why don't I just embed the tweet? Or like, why don't I just take a screenshot of the email? Or yeah. why don't I just capture like a video of someone walking through their own Savvy Cal account. We haven't gone yeah. that far. But what I found actually was that tweet testimonials embedded directly on the page is way, way better than even like you copy and pasting that same content and like making it more like, yeah. you know, aesthetically polished. pleasing and like and polished and designed yeah. because it feels and seems more authentic. People know, okay, if, if someone went out of their way to like tweet about this, it has a higher level of credibility than if someone asked them for a testimonial and then just copy and paste the text and then maybe embellished it a little bit. Um, you know, that's how you take like, okay, e-commerce UGC, and then you take it to SaaS and it comes in the form of, uh, of Twitter testimonials. That's, 
that's bang on. It's so funny you mentioned that. Like the thing that Eight Sleep did, they had their tweets and they were embedded. And what did I do? I clicked through to people's profile to be like, yeah. who is who is this person? Like, yes. are they real? And I, like, that's, I guess maybe the like stalker in all of us was <laughs> like, if this person oh, is saying it's good, like I want to see it. And like, is the tweets to, okay, it's a live tweet. Like they didn't write something and delete it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, no. And then you see also what I would do is I would see the tweet that, that you know, Eight Sleep had pulled in. But then there was also all the responses to it. And that person kind of like doing the community management being like, no, no, this is the yeah. real deal. And, and I was able to kind of go down those different rabbit holes and a lot of questions or, or you know, uncertainties or fears in my mind were pretty much alleviated, not even by the company, by like right. a random Twitter person that I just would have never even seen. Right. And yeah. here's the thing. It's like, it sucks that we have to talk about this because it's like such a small little thing that we're, we're just always looking for like the next tiny little advantage we can get to like stand out and be a little yeah. bit different and, you know, improve the conversion rate by 0.1%. Yeah. Um, but it's because the truth is that the bar for marketing today is so high. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you could, you know, write anything. It could look like anything and people would be like, cool, here's my money. Like, hand this over. And like, there's no other competitors, no other alternatives. Yeah, uh, It's believable. It's feel safe today. There are so many competitors. There's so much marketing. There's so much content that you have to find every little thing like this that can yeah. give you just that tiny bit more advantage so that uh, you can improve your marketing and do more. Yeah. I, I think of like uh, the sports analogy, especially in football, like it's a game of inches and like yeah. with marketing, yeah. it is, you know, if they're, if they're, if every, everything is so saturated and there's so much coming at the average person every single day, and there's really only so many pipes, right? Like digitally speaking. And it's like, everyone's trying to fight for real estate in those pipes. And the bar is just continuing to raise because there's only so much that can kind of fit through there. And then the same thing with, with human attention, like we, there's only so many hours in the day and we only have so much attention. So yeah, that, that kind of ties back to like why having a swipe file is even more important because it's like, how are you able to, to just understand what's out there, but also use the information and inspiration from those swipe files to kind of tweak the dials, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you just have to be so under game. You have to be looking at how can we improve things? How can we do better? How can we, how can we be new and novel and mm-hmm. even look outside of our own industry? Like I said, I never would have yeah. really thought about that or seen that unless I had been thinking about and writing about uh, e-commerce. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the other thing is like, sometimes you just get so stuck in your echo chamber of whatever industry that you're in, yeah. whether it's SaaS, whether it's e-commerce, whether it's uh, retail, digital products, services, agencies, whatever it is um, you, you find the playbooks and then you look at what all your competitors or, uh, or colleagues are doing, and then you model after them. But in reality, when everyone's zigging, you should be zagging. And so you always have to be looking outside of that as well and yeah. trying to find novelty. Yeah. That's funny. You bring that up. We, we, that, that was kind of like the, the thesis behind our product going into a library was, you know, we were delivering stuff to, you know, for the sake of example, the financial services industry, the automotive industry, like we're delivering insights in, in the form of like data-backed research, kind of like a swipe file. And there, I remember we did a client call and someone, they were, they were really, really focused on retention. Like, what can we learn about retention? And we had actually just done a bunch of other work and research on retention in a completely different industry. And I saw it was uh, in, in banking and the, the case study or the, the piece of research that we did was actually on the streaming giants. So it was looking at like, mm. what a Netflix, Hulu, Disney plus, what are they doing with retention and using emails to like drive viewership and retention on their platforms. And so like 
this was going to, I think it was like a, a credit union or something that was looking to market a new credit card or retain people for, for something like that. And when we were able to share that research with them to go, hey, these are some ideas about how they're segmenting, how they're using different dynamic subject lines, how they're the creative. And like when we looked at all that stuff and we were able to kind of quantify it and then serve it up in front of them, you know, they're probably sitting there going at first, they were kind of like, why are you showing me how Netflix keeps you watching Netflix? Right. But then seeing the principles and when you kind of talk through it like that, they're like, oh, wow, we actually haven't tried that specific tactic. And this is how that tactic could come to life in our industry or our business. And they can then take that and run with that. So I think yeah. there's, a, there's a quote that we're, as a company, we're really bullish on. It's from this woman named Marissa Thalberg. She, I think she was the, is currently the CMO or the chief brand officer at Lowe's. And she talks about like, when you're doing, you know, insight and strategy work, you need to look within your category or your industry for information and outside of your industry for inspiration. And you need both uh, of those things, right? Like you have to have okay. both of those things. And so, you know, that's what Swipe Files is. That's what we're trying to build. And so, yeah, that's something that, that was definitely top of mind. Um, mm. And I think th there's a lot of coaching though, that has to go into marketers. Cause I feel like, you know, with marketers being so busy, it, there's, there's only so many hours in the day they're being pulled in a lot of directions to be like, this can actually be helpful, but I've found sometimes in the past, they're like, well, this isn't, this isn't my industry. And it's like, I know. And that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Let yeah. me give you one more example. It's yeah. pretty tangible. Uh, with Savvy Cal, uh, it was very early stage that had just launched. We were sort of like gearing up to a product launch and trying to actually, um, you know, I felt like I, we nailed the positioning and the landing page and we were like really gearing up to do more actual marketing things. Yeah. Um, and so after we, uh, so just like planning out, okay, after product hunt, how do we like do make the most of all this attention that hopefully we're going to capture, which we did. We ended up being the number two product of the day, but I think the number one product of the month actually eventually. Wow. Um, and so right after that, we had a couple of campaigns planned and one of them was a campaign to buy out someone's annual Calendly contract, uh, because we we're thinking, well, one we heard, so like I said, everything is, uh, you know, everything's based on either information or inspiration. Yeah. So I'll give you the information part was that we are looking inside of our industry and even within ourselves. And a lot of people who are interested were telling us, oh, you know, I want to switch over, but I already bought an annual, you know, Calendly subscription or like it just renewed, or, you know, you caught me at the wrong time just a week ago, you know, I was just looking at Calendly and we decided to pull the trigger. So we thought, dang it, how do we get these people back? Um, so now the inspiration part, I was thinking about, you know, how do we switch from incumbents? So I started doing research and then I realized I was like, oh, wait a second. Like phone companies are the best at this. Like they will scrape and claw and they will oh, pay yeah. any amount to get you on their, on their plan because they know that the lifetime value is so high. Yep. And so I thought about um, T-Mobile, I think was like the pioneer with this. They were the, sort of like the, the uncarrier and to kick off and sort of like take a fight with Verizon and AT&T and Sprint and all those guys, they offered to buy out the contract of each one of them. And they even had crazy deals around, you know, free phone for you and free phone for you and extra data and all this kind of stuff. And so I thought, wait, we got it. Why don't we? So I remember the, the Slack conversation, we were like, this is going to sound crazy, but why don't we buy out the contract of our competitor Calendly? And, um, and it worked great. People went bonkers. They were like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like all these people before who, you know, had these hesitations now were actually moving over and they appreciate the, um, the inspiration, but you know, that's like a really probably like one of the best examples that, I mean, that's me such a great example. I wouldn't have yeah. like, as soon as you said phone company, I was like, duh, but like making that connection, right. <laughs> connection, kudos, like that is gangster. That is so yeah, smart. That fun. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Okay, I want to I want to kind of like take a step back. Like we've been talking about swipe files, and I feel like you and I are probably biased to this stuff because we live and breathe it, and we we love it. What like if you were going to kind of zoom out just on like marketing and digital today, what are things? What what's the most exciting thing? What like is there a trend? Is it a platform? Is it a, a way of thinking? Um, you know what what kind of comes to mind when you're most excited about marketing brands today? As far as like trends and technology and like kind of strategies that, that are yeah. going on. I think that there's, I mean, the, the kind of like elephant in the room is obviously like this big change with, uh, with Apple and around like tracking mm-hmm. and attribution and, and data. That's a ginormous groundswell. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that it's really good because yeah. you know, what's happened is that we like really overemphasize and overoptimize for data collection and attribution and like being very like data driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just a couple of years ago when I like started in marketing, like the whole thing was like data driven. We need to have dashboards and analytics and things for everything that we can look at and point to as, as proof and evidence. And that makes for really like boring, stale, uh, robotic kind of, kind of marketing, uh, really inhumane marketing. And then now we're seeing this groundswell of kind of people pushing back against that. But even then, I don't think that it's really going to negatively affect a lot of people because the way things have been moving is um, there's actually, there's so much data and there's so many channels and there's so much to track mm-hmm. that attribution becomes uh, kind of impossible anyways. We yeah. found this at Barometrics, you know, we're trying to track down like, what are the major growth channels? And it was really, really difficult because you know, we saw a lot of top level or sort of like top of funnel traffic, but then we saw like the things that are actually getting people to sign up for trials or something different. And then like, we knew that this thing over here, people loved like based on what they said, but then like, we couldn't really track that back to business. Yeah. Um, but when you're supposed to track everything perfectly in distribute, then you end up cutting stuff. That's actually really fun. That's really good. And that people like, Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that the pendulum is swinging to the other end now where everyone's going to be focused on brand. Everyone's going to be focused on content. uh, Everyone's going to be focused on doing things that are like inherently valuable Mm -hmm. in marketing. They're not just like an ad or like a trick or like a scheme. It's like, you know, the MailChimp presents with their video series. It's podcasts and these really unique podcast series where we break down, uh, you know, my friend Jay Akunzo runs uh, three clips where he like breaks down podcasts and podcast episodes and like, you know, hyper analyzes and dissects why they're good and certain segments of it. Um, and it's really the actual creative marketing that people enjoy and that they like. Yeah. And so that has me excited just to like, I don't like, I've never been like a data-driven kind of person. I've always been like, here's like a crazy idea. Here's a fun idea. Here's something that would be cool to do. Crazy campaigns. You know, even I was uh, writing a newsletter on um, kind of like guerrilla marketing tactics and uh, ended up meeting up with a guy here in San Diego who uh, was a part of GoFundMe and they partnered with WePay and WePay was like the David to the Goliath of uh, PayPal back in yeah. the day. And um, PayPal had this big conference. So they made this ginormous ice block filled with money. I think like $20,000 just in cash in this giant ice block. And then they put it right at the steps of the front of the conference center for everyone to come in on the first day of registration. And then it say, you know, we pay, we don't lock your money up like PayPal. And just like back then you, you, you had to do stuff like that to get people's attention. Yeah. I'm excited for that kind of stuff to happen again, yeah. because people will be forced to, because uh, we have to really earn people's attention rather than just being able to work the data and do hacks and tricks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. That that word pendulum is a word that I've used on this show previously. We've had a couple <laughs> episodes talking about like 
the balance of art and science and marketing and, and, yeah. you know, that, that pendulum between brand and performance. And it just, I feel like every, you know, couple of years, depending on what's happening in the world or the markets or a specific thing in, in industry, like that pendulum just continues to swing and like how important it is to try and, and strike a balance. Um, I'm curious, you know, digging into that iOS 14.5 thing a little bit deeper. One of the things that we've been asked a lot with our research, and I, I just love to get your take on this and I'll kind of share what I think. And I, I'm definitely still trying to kind of form this thesis in my mind is that, okay, you know, a lot of this tracking stuff is going away. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I, I share that opinion with, with you. I think what's so interesting to me is, you know, just because there's this change in iOS, the analogy that I use is fishing. The fish are still in the same ponds, like, mm -hmm. but, but all the fisher people are freaking out because they're like, oh, well, we can't use these types of rods or these types of lures anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but you're still going to be able to catch fish in the pond. It's just going to change. You just weren't able to, you know, the, I think up here in Canada, at least you're not allowed to use a hook with like the three, the triple hook, the three different hooks, whereas you have <laughs> yeah, to yeah. use one maybe. And so it's like, right. it's kind of like that. It's like, yeah, you used to use that. You can't use that now, but that doesn't mean that you can't go fish and still be a good fisher person who catches stuff. And so like, mm -hmm. what, what do you, what do you think about that? Is that kind of how you're thinking about it? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I think, um, uh, just because the attribution isn't there doesn't mean that the the marketing ROI isn't there. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, like the pendulum, like I said, is going to swing to really smart marketers who are really going to earn the trust and attention of their audience yeah. rather than just try to, uh, I mean, it's like permission marketing all over again. You know, oh. where Seth Cohen was talking about, Hey, you, you used to be, just be able to like buy an interruption to everyone. And yeah. then like people kind of got desensitized to that and they revolted yeah. against it. And then the pendulum switched to permission marketing, where it's more like inbound marketing, it's search-based marketing, it's uh, it's earning that trust. Mm -hmm. um, the the people who are going to do marketing really well and have more success in it are going to be looser in their ability to like directly attribute. Uh, they're going to have to have more conviction around the things that they're doing, uh, and they're going to have to do much better work. Like it's the the whole idea of constraints breed creativity. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the constraint of the tracking and the attribution is going to force marketers to think outside the box and do more creative work, which ultimately will probably be more effective at the end of the day, yeah. uh, unless you're still the guy, you know, trying to like tape on two extra hooks to your lure and you're trying to do this attribution to do, to do your same old tricks that aren't going to work anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at SavvyCal, we've, we've gone through this whole conversation around tracking and attribution around should we do something in the gray area? Should we set up this and that? And ultimately we were like, look, it's not going to change it. Like we don't want to do that type of marketing anymore. We're just going to have a little questionnaire when someone signs up that says, how'd you hear about us? Yeah. Um, and then we're going to look at the traffic. We're going to make connections. We're going to do our best to sort of read into what we think is working. And then we're just not going to worry about it. We're just going to do our best work and create really good stuff mm -hmm. um, and let the, the rest kind of um, work itself out. Yeah. Fascinating. I think, yeah, obviously the iOS 14.5 thing has been so top of mind and, you know, whether it's marketers or I've had some investment analysts at a high level phone me and say like, what do you, what is your take on this? Like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't know. I always go back to that fishing analogy where I'm like, they're still in the pond. Like, yeah, you might not be able to catch them as well as you could, but there's still, you know, people are still going to get served up stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Well, everything, like I said, everything old becomes new again. And, yeah. um, I think that, like I said, that the little form questionnaire about how to hear about it's going to, be, yeah. it's going to become more um, prevalent like it used to be. I think coupons and coupon codes are going to be a lot more prevalent because then yeah. you can, for example, for Savico, we've run ads 
uh, on certain podcasts and certain newsletters. And we generate a unique coupon for each one of those. So everyone that comes in that uses that coupon, we know came from that channel in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're relying on affiliates, you know, we set up a new landing page for every one of our major affiliate partners. That way, nothing kind of like bleeds together. We can actually see how much traffic is driving particularly to that page. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with like direct mail, you know, just like coupon codes and special pages. And we're going to have to go back to old school marketing a little bit out of necessity, but yeah. ultimately I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. Well said. I agree. I want to, I want to switch gears here a little bit as we kind of wind down the episode. I have a couple more questions for you, K- kind of like a rapid fire, but feel free to kind of go in, in detail if you want. I I'm a big proponent of, of reading. That's like, you know, I dropped out of university. I feel like the way that I learned marketing was was reading, whether it was being on Twitter or books or listening to podcasts or just consuming information. And to your point earlier, like immersing myself into it. How do you stay up to date on business and marketing? Who are you following? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of tools that make my life a little bit easier. Um, one is my Kindle. And so I do all my reading on my Kindle. I'm an avid book reader and mm-hmm. usually reading like literally 15 or 20 books at a time. I just sort of like, you know, read a chapter <laughs> and then like whatever I think is interesting at the moment. I do a lot of reading right before I go to sleep and I'll do reading on the weekends. And so I just sort of flip through and like maybe something's more, um, you know, I want to do like just in time learning. So something's really applicable at that moment. I'll just like really dive in and read a few chapters and knock it out. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of business books, a lot of marketing books, I'm reading a sales book right now called founding sales. Yep. Uh, and the Kindle makes it really easy because I can highlight and export it into note-taking tools like Rome, which is what I use as well. Yep. So I can look through the highlights and then actually make use of that. And I actually do use that quite often for a lot of the writing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, another one for my kind of like uh, information diet consumption, which really helps, uh, it's called Mailbrew. And so yeah. I use that to subscribe to all my newsletters and sort of have like a save function where you can pipe in articles or things you want to save for later. And then it sort of like gets added to your daily or weekly digests that you mm-hmm. want to, that you want to make it through. But usually like once a week, I'll go through that and just sort of like skim through what's interesting. Uh, I might catch up on newsletters, um, but there's, you know, lots of great newsletters out there between James Clear's 321. Um, uh, there, there's a few like uh, Elaine Zelby and Cody Sanchez. Um, I'm a, you know, there's lots of newsletters out there that are really great. I'm a huge podcast listener as well. So I listen to a lot of like the founder story bootstrapper podcast where that's kind yeah. of chronicling weekly updates, mm-hmm. uh, art of product, build your SaaS, make, mega maker, uh, a bunch like that. Also just, you know, startup stories and my first million is a, as a, as a favorite for, yeah. uh, for podcasts as well. Yeah. And then Twitter, I mean, I'm on Twitter like all day long, basically <laughs> it's a, uh, it's an excusable addiction because I can, it's part of my work as a marketer yeah. and as someone it's who's work. very like, yeah, personality driven and has digital products. And so I can, I can justify it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of like who I follow, people that I learned from is from Twitter. Some of my favorite follows are David Burrell, a lot of like investors, people from all sorts of different industries, Nat Eliason for crypto, uh, Nick Huber for real estate, like, you know, really spans the gamut. But yeah, um, I would say like uh, books through the Kindle podcasts, mail for all newsletters, and then Twitter for everything else. Yeah. What's so, what's so fascinating that you just said is like, it's such a wide breadth of, of topics and, and people. And, you know, I think that probably speaks to to where you're at being a marketer, entrepreneur, podcaster, investor, like kind of doing all that different stuff. But one of the things that I just kind of noticed with like the things that you mentioned is there was a heavy product focus in there. 
it was that kind of something, you know, I, I find like as a marketer, I've actually forced myself to try and learn more about like product management philosophy and product led growth and marketing and like kind of weaving that in there. Is that something that, that you've kind of noticed in, in your journey so far? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, I wouldn't consider self my myself like a, a product person, mm-hmm. um, but I think that I've always had a pretty good like taste for products and yeah. user experience and just like the value that people get out of products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always also been able to have like, I, I, you can ask my wife, I'm terrible at remembering lyrics to songs and like <laughs> anything that's like really repetitive, but like random facts and like any like software that I've ever used, I can remember it and like remember finite details about it. So I've always had a little bit of like product connoisseur. I just really yeah. like new tech, new tools, new products. I've always been a big fan of like D2C companies and what they're working on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that helps with the product, with the marketing side of things too, because with a, a bit of interest and fascination in products, mm-hmm. then if you do a little bit of introspection, you start to, you know, kind of reverse engineer, what is it I like about the product and how would I think about marketing it? And that's also helped with my ability to do consulting, give advice to people, brainstorm, stuff like that, because my brain's always firing. Yeah. One last question here. What, you know, you've, you've touched a lot of things and, and you're involved in so many things. What, what is kind of one piece of advice that you have for people working in marketing today that they should keep top in mind, you know, whether that is related to their career or them building strategy or something like that. Like, is there kind of something that sticks top of mind, a piece of advice that you heard that, that applies to that? Yeah. Market something that you built or that you own, because you'll, you'll never really like fully understand marketing. It won't be as like real to you and tangible mm-hmm. until you have skin in the game and yeah. until you have a personal vested interest in whatever it is that you're trying to market and, and bring to market. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could be in the form of content for your personal blog. And that's how you sort of, you know, get chops on SEO and shareability and social media strategies. That could be a podcast and your ability to interview people and learn from them and uh, and retain an audience that could be e-commerce store, dropshipping, random stuff from Alibaba, just learning the mechanics of Facebook ads it could be a software project or something that you hack on or a no code project, even that you're trying to understand how I get users for this mm-hmm. thing. Um, and really then you'll start your brain, your brain will start firing on how do I use everything that I've been reading and learning and actually apply it? Because when you're in a job, one, like a regular job, like your, your experience of what you work on is like fairly limited to whatever the scope is for what you're responsible of. But also you just don't have as much skin in the game. And so you don't think about it as deeply or as mm-hmm. much, you don't care as much. And to really learn, like your ability to learn is pretty much proportional to your ability to care about that thing. And so if you really care about making your podcast successful, your e-commerce store successful, your no code, you know, Airbnb knockoff successful, um, then, then you really have to, to do it yourself. And that's, that's where the, a lot of the marketing learns will come from. So that's why I always tell people like start a personal site, start a pro- podcast, start a side project, and then your learning will just go through the roof. Yeah. Very great advice. I've heard that before as well. And we, we encourage our employees to do that. So it's music to my ears that, that you said the <laughs> same thing. What's the best place for people to find you online? How can they get a hold of you? Twitter at Corey Hainsco. Uh, that's where I do most of my talking and blabbering and uh, probably the best place to like actually follow me online. I also have a personal site. It's CoreyHaines.co, which is where my Twitter handle came from. And that has links to all my projects, more random information about me, what I've worked on, what I've done in the past, uh, how to connect with me. And then swipe files as well. Um, and in fact, you can use the code right metric to get half off any one of the me- uh, memberships. So swipefiles.com, 
or, or swipefiles.com slash membership if you want to go straight to uh, kind of like the sign up flow. Nice. That is awesome. Well, Corey, thank you so much for taking the time. I learned so much from you and I've been wanting to talk to you for, for a long time and I'm sure everybody listening did as well. So I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me. For show notes, other episodes, and more content, check out rightmetric.co. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.